Blog Talk Radio. Ministries. 
And our ministry was actually started to bring a vision of a message with of hope and healing and encouragement to those who are hurting, lost, or hopeless. Now, for those of you who do not know, this that word hazak is a Hebrew word, and it means to make, it means to be strong, it means to strengthen, to sustain, to support, and it means to encourage. It's actually the only word in Hebrew for the word encouragement. So we hope that you, our listeners, and your family and your friends will be encouraged with our message this evening. So if you've had a chance not to be able to listen to our our programs, you can pick up some of our previous radio programs on Reaching Out Radio at Blog Talk Radio. You can just type in Brian and Leah Fouts or Brian Fouts Be Encouraged with Brian Fouts at Blog Talk Radio, and there you can... Find all of our previous radio shows, and you can listen to them free on demand, and there's no fee to listen in. And you can always email those to your friends so that they can listen. So before we get started this evening, I always like to open up the program with a word of prayer. Father, we come before you this evening. Father, we pray for protection for Montel and for her family and for Reaching Out Radio. And we pray against any technical difficulties that might arise and against any demonic powers in the airwaves that the enemy would want to try to stop this show from being on the air. And we'd also like to pray for those in the listening audience. We pray for open hearts and for changed lives this evening, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. So as my... Wonderful wife Leah used to say when she was here on earth, he said, Brian, what are we sharing tonight with our listeners? So anyway, I thought it would be fun to take a look at a person's name in the Bible, who they are, and what it means. We started this last month with part one, and we're going to kind of finish up tonight with part two. So everyone, uh, grab your Bibles, or if you're on your computer, or if you have an iPad or your telephone, you can turn to your favorite Bible program or a website link. And then I want you to like to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and verse 18. Just kind of put your thumb on that, and we'll kind of come back to that. And I'd like to remind our listeners this evening that we'll be using the New American Standard Bible version unless we have a different translation to use. A lot of times I like to go to the Amplified, It's a little bit deeper, but I'll try to let you know which one that we're using or even the King James. And remember, we look forward to hearing from you. You know, so today we are continuing again with an exciting Bible study. This is part two of what's in a name. And here we're going to learn how a name that is given to you and what it means and how that name given to you just might speak of your future and your calling. This is going to be a fun topic this evening. It's going to be educational, so listen in and stay tuned. Now, last month, we had shared that a name can either be a blessing or a curse. Now, some of our listeners out there might be asking, how in the world can a name be a blessing or a curse? Well, I'm going to give you a couple examples. You know, you have to realize that names are very, very important, and you have to think those names are used. So I'm going to give you kind of a really odd example of that here. Now, names can be used as titles. 
you know, like Mr. or Mrs. or Miss, uh, or even such as Sir or Lady or even Ma'am, or maybe like a knight or maybe a prince, a queen or a king. And, of course, it's always a queen for the ladies. I used to tell my wife that she was my queen. So better yet, you can actually think about Lord and Master like Jesus. So here's a question for you to think about. Do we just assign a name to somebody? I mean, do we just reach into a hat and pull out a name and say, yeah, that looks good? <laughs> you know, the old saying like, well, you know, any old name will do, you know? Well, but not exactly. You see, naming someone is even more special. Now, you might ask, be asking yourself, well, why is that special? What's so important about that? Well, because that name will tell the rest of the world of who you are and that your name will, re be, will be remembered as you live. And this is really true. And when you die, your name will reflect the legacy that you leave behind to your family, to your friends, and to the world. All right, Brian, you're probably saying, why is a name important? What's the big deal? All right, well, think about this. Would you name your, not your son Sue? Yes, I said that again. Would you name your son Sue? For those of you out there, you might remember the old Kenny Rogers song that he sang about a boy named Sue. But really, would you name your son and your heir to your family Sue? Oh, gosh. No way. Well, as they say down here, that'll start a fight right here in Texas, just bigger in Dallas. But what about a daughter's name? For instance, uh, would you name your daughter something like Hey Lau? I know, that kind of sounds intriguing. It's almost kind of cool, but you know, you wouldn't be saying, hello, hello, come here, where are you, hello. Gosh, it'd be sounding like you're trying to call your dog or something. And then there's that. All right, so I picked a weird name. But what in the world does that word halal actually mean? Well, halal is a Hebrew word, and it means to profane oneself, to defile oneself, or to pollute oneself. That's just really terrible, isn't it? But it's worse than that. In English, that word is the same word for prostitute. So I don't think that you'd be naming your daughter Halal because that'll sure make you think twice. So you see, listeners, these names can have an impact on a child growing up, and it will be carried with them all the way into their adult age and older. That's just really something to think about. Now, throughout our study tonight, we're going to be looking at several different names from the Bible and elsewhere. We will share how these names became either a curse or a blessing. So again, grab your pen or your pencil and your paper and get ready to go. Now, you might have a computer or an iPad, and you might be taking notes. And remember to write down any thoughts or comments or questions that you might have. And if you do, then later you can always... Send me an email or text to brian at hazakministries.com. That's brian at hazakministries.com. Or you can always text me to, to 832-878-8043. And do me one favor. Please be sure to add your name so that I will know who contacted us so that I can contact you back personally. Now, last week, 
actually last month we actually finished up with Adam and Eve, and we went through Cain's lineage and all of his children. And now we're going to kind of go back to Adam and Eve, and here's something pretty amazing. It says in Genesis 5, verses 6 through 8, and I'm going to read this from the King James Version. It says, the whole lifetime of Adam was 930 years. Then he died. When Seth was 105 years old, he begot Enosh. Seth lived 807 years after he begot Enosh, and he had other sons and daughters. The whole lifetime of Seth was 912 years, and then he died. Man. So now Adam died at the age of 930 years. They say his death was mourned by all human beings and that he and his wife were buried in a cave in Machpelah near Hebron. That's in the land of Israel. And it is believed by old Jewish traditions that the children of Adam and Eve numbered, are you ready for this? Numbered 56 children. They say that Adam had 33 sons after Abel and Cain and had 23 daughters. That's a bundle. So next in our line, since we finished up with Cain and all of his children, and he kind of his family kind of represented the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but our next person in line is Seth. So if you would, turn to your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. And again, I'm going to read this in the New American Standard Bible version. It then says that Adams had relations with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in place of Abel, for Cain, his brother, killed him. Now, you know, Seth has a really cool name. That personal name actually means he set or appointed, or it also means replacement. And Seth would be the third son of Adam and Eve, born after Cain, after Cain had murdered Abel. And he was an ancestor of Jesus. We're going to get to that a little bit later here. And here's something else on Seth. In Genesis 5.3, it says in the Amplified that when Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and he named him Seth. Wow, 130 years old. How about that? Now, John MacArthur, in his notes, says that with Cain removed as the oldest brother and heir of the family blessing, and with their son Abel dead, God graciously gave Adam and Eve a godly son through whom the seed of redemption would be passed all the way up to Jesus Christ. So the seed of redemption would be passed all the way to Jesus Christ from Seth. And here's something else in my research from Dr. Constable's notes. It says that Seth's name from the Hebrew verb is translated granted and meaning to set or to place. So this expresses Eve's faith that God would continue to provide a seed despite death. Isn't that just awesome? And this was really interesting, and this was also from, also from Dr. Constable's notes. He said, with the aid of a genealogy from Adam to Lamech, that's L-A-M-E-K, 
the seventh generation, it traces to the development of technology and arts on the one hand and the growth of violence on the other. Only in the last two verses introducing the descendants of Seth do we have a glimmer of hope for from him, as chapter 5 will describe, descended Noah, the survivor of the flood, and it was in Enosh's day that the public worship of God was reintroduced. Wow, isn't that just cool? Reintroducing worship. He also said that it teaches that it is important for the righteous to preserve the knowledge of God when they live in an ungodly society. And that's exactly where we are today, folks. As Christians and believers, we actually live in an ungodly society. We're surrounded by evil everywhere that we look and unbelieving people. And you see, the Israelites needed this encouragement as they anticipated entering into the promised land, just as we do today. And yes, we do go into the promised land, for the Lord has shown us different things for us to do and places to go, and we need to look at those as opportunities to enter into the promised land of the land that the Lord has promised to us. So think about this. Jesus taught his disciples the same lesson. This is from Matthew 5, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, and I'm reading this from the Living Bible. It says that you are the world's light, a city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. So don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. And that's what it's all about, is giving praise to the Father. So basically, in layman's terms, it means don't hide your light. Don't throw it underneath a bed. Don't throw it in a closet. Don't hide your light. Let others see the light of Christ in you. And that's important. So then, who was Adam's next child? Well, if we turn to Genesis chapter 5, verse 6, and this is from the Amplified Bible, it says, When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. That's E-N-O-S-H, Enosh. Now, Seth's son was called Enosh, and actually this is pronounced Anosh. And that word actually means mortal. It means frail. It also means miserable. And it is from this root, anash, which means to be incurable, used as of a wound or grief or woe or sickness or wickedness. And it was in the days of Enosh that men began to defile the name of the living God. And one of those comments that I kind of wanted to share with you this, this evening is this, is that during the life of Seth's son, Enosh, people began to make images and statues to remember them of God. Later, however, the people began to worship the idols that they had made and not the living God. So let's turn over to Genesis chapter 5, verse 9, and again, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. It says, Then when Enosh was 90 years old, he then became the father of a son named Kenan, K-E-N-A-N. 
Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine being 90 years old when this happened? Oh, say what, honey? I can't hear you. What's that again? You're what? Pregnant. You sure it's not gas? You're pregnant. As my wife used to tell me, she said, Brian, sometimes you're really bad. So anyway, Enosh's son was named Kinnon, from which it means sorrow or dirge or elegy. And I was reading a commentary from a man that had passed away, Chuck Missler, a great man of God, great teacher. He said that the precise denotation is somewhat elusive. Some study aids, unfortunately, pressure an Aramaic root or synonymous with the name of Canaan. Chuck Missler then said this. He said that Balaam, looking down from the height of Moab, employed a pun upon the name of Kenites when he prophesied their destruction. Ouch. Being destroyed. So next in the line of Adam and Kenan is his son. And in Genesis 5:12, and it says, When Kenan was 70 years old, he became the father of Mahalalel. That's M-A-H-A-L-A-L-E-L. Mahalalel. Now, this name actually means blessed or praise, and it means El, the name for God. Thus, Mahalalel means the blessed God. Now, there's something interesting about Mahalalel in Genesis 5.15. It says that when Mahalalel was 65 years old, he became the father of Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Now, his name is kind of interesting. It actually means, shall come down, or he who has descended. And you know, these are really interesting names. Later at the end of our study, we will reveal something really neat about these particular names. And next in Adam's family members is found in Genesis 5.18. It says, so then when Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch, E-N-O-C-H. Enoch actually means teaching, or it means commencement. And this was really kind of neat, and this was from Dr. Constable's notes. He said that Enoch is pictured as one who did not suffer the fate of Adam. You shall surely die, because, unlike the others, Enoch walked with God. He then finished with this statement, and this is pretty cool if you actually think about it. Enoch's walking with God much has, must have stimulated this sign that appeared on our church marquee, exercise daily and walk with God. Exercise daily and walk with God, and that's what we need to do. Now, we come to another name that's pretty cool, and this is in Genesis 5, uh, Chapter 5, verse 21, and from the Amplified, and it says that when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. That's M-E-T-H-U-S-E-L-A-H, Methuselah. I found some really interesting notes on Methuselah's name. It says the flood of Noah did not come as a surprise. It actually had been preached on for four generations, but something strange happened that when Enoch was 65, from which 
time he walked with God. Enoch was given a prophecy that as long as his son, Methuselah, was alive, the judgment of the flood would be withheld. But as soon as his son died, the flood would be sent forth. That's got to be pretty cool if you really think about it. To have a son that's going to live long enough until the Lord says, and when you die, now the flood's going to come. That is just really amazing to me. So, and then this was really kind of cool. It says, Enoch named his son to reflect this prophecy. Now that name, Methuselah, comes from two roots. One root word of muth, M-U-T-H, a root that means death, and from the word shellac, which means to bring or to send forth. I know some of you are probably thinking about getting a shellacking or something, but if you put these two names together, you will find something really interesting. His name actually means his death shall bring. Isn't that cool? His death shall bring. You know, during my study time and, and getting into the names, I'm always, I've always been amazed at the things that they've come up with and, and what they've had and what they've shared. It's just been really interesting how you find things out about the names, what they mean, how long that they've been around. And it's just, it just really shows how God has really kind of moved. You know, sometimes you think about your name and you go, why in the world was I named that? Sometimes it's named for a reason. Sometimes it's not. We just don't know. But at the end of this study tonight, I'm going to share something just really, really interesting with you that's going to really surprise you. So, indeed, the year that Methuselah died, the flood actually came and then Guess what? Methuselah was 969 years old. Oi, Faye, that's old! Oh! Now, one of the commentaries also shared this about Methuselah. It says that Methuselah's life was, in effect, a symbol of God's mercy in forestalling the coming judgment of the flood. It is therefore fitting that his lifetime is the oldest in the Bible symbolizing the extreme extensiveness of God's mercy. And during the life of Enoch's son, Methuselah, who lived 969 years, was longer than any other human being had ever lived. The people again revolted against God, and there prevailed a state of lawlessness, cruelty, and corruption that brought doom and destruction upon the world. And that is when... God brought on the flood. The important thing here to remember is, is that God's wrath can always come, but sometimes he can stop that wrath from coming when we repent and we ask for forgiveness and we ask the Lord to, to keep us where we are. He can sometimes stop that doom coming. But we know that his second coming is coming, and we don't know when or where, because Jesus said only the Father knows the time, and so we have to be prepared each and every day to be on our toes and to be vibrant and sharing God's word with others before it's too late. So today it seems as though that people are actually revolting against God at every turn. 
seems like at every time that you turn on the news, read the news, listen to the news, there's always something terrible happening. So, folks, we need more prayer. And we've got to have fervent prayer going that will send a Redeemer to their hearts, that Jesus will come into their hearts. Now I want to turn to Genesis chapter 5, verse 25, and this is where we find the next relative of Adam. It says that when Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H. Now, this is not to be confused with the Lamech from Cain's relatives. Cain had his line. He had a Lamech, but it was L-E-M-A-C-H. So it was Lamech in Cain's line and Lamech in Adam's line. Now, Methuselah's son was named Lamech, and it actually means lament or lamentation. And Lamech suggests despairing. Now, Dr. Constable's notes shared this. He said the fact that Lamech, the sixth name in Cain's list, corresponds to Enoch, the sixth name in Seth's line. And it's very suggestive. It indicates that God wanted to point out the contrast between the generations of these two sons of Adam. One was ungodly, and the other was godly. And we finished out the tenth generation of Adam, and this is from Genesis 5, verses 28 through 29. And again, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible this evening, and it says, And when Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son, and he named him Noah, saying, This one shall bring us rest and comfort from our work and from the dreadful toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. Remember, he cursed that when Adam and Eve had sinned. Now, the name of Noah is actually pronounced Noach, and his name actually means to bring comfort, to bring rest, or to bring peace. And this was interesting. From one of the commentaries that I had read, it shared this. It says that the words of his father, Lamech, at his birth in Genesis 5:29, have been regarded as, in a sense, prophetic, designating Noah as the type of him who is the true rest and comfort of men under the burden of life. Now, that rest and comfort comes from Matthew 11:28, and this is from the New American Standard Bible, and it reads, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Again, the words of Jesus, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Noah would be the builder of the ark that took he and his family to safety that God would use to repopulate the earth. I want us to go down the list of Noah's son and their relatives because this will really set the tone of the differences of good and evil in men. So this is where it all starts. Yes, this is where the good and the bad and the ugly come in. So let's turn to Genesis 5, chapter 5, verse 32. It says that after Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, 
Shem's name actually means, this is kind of interesting, it just means name, N-A-M-E, name. Yep, I said name. Now, it says that he carried God's blessing. This is according to Genesis chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. And through his line came Abraham and the covenant of blessing. With the help of his brother Japheth, he covered the nakedness of their father and received their first blessing. And he would become the portion of the earth occupied the descendants of Shem, beginning in the northwestern extremity of, of Lydia and includes Syria, used to be called Aram, the Chaldea or Arpexad, and parts of Assyria or Asher, of Persia and Elam and of the Arabian Peninsula called Joktan. Now, modern scholars have given the names of Shematic or Semitic to the languages spoken by Israel or supposed descendants. Now, Ham's name means hot. It means burnt, swarthy, or black. And of the history of Ham, nothing is related except his irreverence to his father and the curse which that patriarch pronounced upon him. If you would, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 24, and I'm going to read this, the verses, actually verses 20 through 27, so that everyone will know what happened with Ham. And Noah began to farm, and he cultivated the ground, and he planted a vineyard. He then drank some of the wine and became drunk and was uncovered and lay exposed inside of his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw by accident the nakedness of his father. And to his father's shame, he went out and told his two brothers outside. He went out and said, hey, guys, look. Father got drunk and he's naked, naked, naked as a jaybird. So Shem and Japheth actually picked up and took a robe and they put it on their shoulders and then they walked backwards into the tent and they covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away so that they did not see the father's nakedness. And when Noah awoke from his wine-induced stupor, he knew what his younger son Ham had done to him. And so he said this, Cursed be Canaan, the son of Ham a servant of his servants, and he shall be a servant to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And may God enlarge the land of Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So here we see that Noah got drunk and had uncovered himself, and that, he, and that Ham came in and that he saw his nakedness. One of the commentaries shared this. It seems that Ham innocently came upon his father after he had uncovered himself in a drunken stupor. The sin of Ham, therefore, is that he told his brothers of what he had seen, and in doing so it brought shame to the entire family. He didn't even bother to cover up his father. So this resulted in future punishment of Ham's son Canaan and the other descendants of Canaan. The sons of Ham are stated to have been Cush and Mizram and Put and Canaan. And Egypt is recognized as the land of Ham in the Bible. That's in Psalms 78, 
verse 51, 105, verse 23, and 106, verse 22. You can look those up on your own. I'll give those to you again in case you want to write them down and look them up. That would be Psalms 78, verses 51, Psalms 105, verse 23, and then Psalm 106, verse 22. The three most illustrious Hamite nations, the Cushites, were the Phoenicians and the Egyptians, and they were greatly mixed with foreign people. Their architecture has a solid grandeur that we look for in vain anywhere else. And Japheth is the third son, and his name means enlargement. So the descendants of Japheth occupied the isles of the Gentiles. That's the isles out in the Mediterranean Sea. This would include the coastlands of the Mediterranean Sea in Europe and Asia Minor, whence they spread northward over the whole continent of Europe and a considerable portion of Asia. And here again is that number seven that comes into effect. It says that the immediate descendants of Japheth were seven in number and are represented by the nations designated as Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javon, Tubal, Misech, and Tyrus. And from Ham, we get the following names of Canaan, Cush, Mizram, and Put. Now, Canaan's name means merchant or trader or one that humbles and subdues. And we have the name of Cush. His name means black or Ethiopian. And probably the most recognized name from his clan is the name of Nimrod. Ah, yes, Nimrod. His name actually means, we shall rebel. And he was the son of Cush. And he was known, he was a hunter, and he was a builder of the kingdom of Babel, or Babel. And he was the one who built the Tower of Babel. And when he did, God scattered all of the people by changing their one common language. Folks, that means that they all spoke one language. They were all in one accord until that happened. I don't know what the language was. Could have been Hebrew, could have been Aramaic, but it was one language of God and that when Nimrod built that tower, God scattered the people so that they no longer had one language. And here's something about Ham's family that they moved east, south, and southwest into Mesopotamia. That's over on the east side there by Persia and Egypt and Africa. And Canaan's descendants did not migrate as far south, but they settled in, in a land called Palestine. It was not a country. It was just called Palestine. Palestine, land of the Philistines, and that's where they settled in the land called Philistia known for the Philistine. Its name was later the name for Canaan. Now, the length of these Hamite-Canaanite lists indicates the importance of these people and places in Israel's later history. So back when you're reading, you'll note that the absence of the common sevens and the structured in Canaan's genealogy suggesting chaos. Seven is a perfect number. So according to Genesis chapter 22, Shem had five sons named Elam, Asher, Arpaxed, Lud, and Aram. 
And here's some really interesting facts about Shem, and this is from Dr. Constable's note. It says that according to Genesis 22, Shem had five sons, Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram, whose descendants are people and given names to the following countries. The descendants of Elam occupied the country called Elimaeus, between the lower Tigris and the mountains of Iran. The descendants of Asher lived in Assyria, lying to the north, the hilly country between the Tigris River and the mountain range of Iran. The children of Arphaxid lived in the country of Arapactus on the upper Tigris River and on the eastern banks of that river, where the highlands of Armenia began to descend. And the son named Lud, or Lud, L-U-D, was the father of Lydanians, who are the representatives of the Semites who went westward into the Asia Minor. And another son named Aram of the Semites, and he spread his people along the middle course of the Euphrates River to the Tigris in the east and to Syria in the west. But I thought it would be important for us to concentrate on those names that would go to Abraham and then on to Jesus. From Shem's son, Arpaxid, the Smith Bible Dictionary says that his name means a healer or releaser. And here's something really interesting, and this is from the Holman Bible Dictionary. It says that Arphaxid was the third son of Shem, the son of Noah, and ancestors of the Hebrew people. He was born two years after the flood and was the grandfather of Eber. In the New Testament, the name Arpaxid appears in Luke's genealogy of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 36. Luke seems to identify Arphaxid as the great-grandfather rather than the grandfather of Eber. This suggested possibility that the genealogy in Genesis 10.1 was not intended to be exhaustively complete. So the next in his son is Shelah, S-H-E-L-A-H. Now this was pretty neat. His name actually means to be still or to rest. We then go to his son, Eber, and his name actually means the opposite side or beyond. And he is regarded as the founder of the Hebrew race. Now, his son in line is a guy named Peleg, P-E-L-E-G, and was found some, we found some really interesting things about him. His name actually means division or watercourse. Now, the Bible Dictionary says that his name is attributed to one of the many first recorded in Genesis in the division of the earth of, or of the land. Tradition associates this divisions with the confusion of the language and the consequences and the consequent scattering of the people from the Tower of Babel. Now, this was pretty cool. Some suggest that the division of the land refers to irrigation ditches crisscrossing the landscape. And according to this particular interpretation, Peleg's name commemorates the beginning of organized agriculture. That's kind of interesting. And the next son in line is Ru, or Reu, R-E-U. And this was pretty also interesting, that his name actually means friend or companion. It also means his shepherd. 
So then we go to his son, who is the Rug, S-E-R-U-G, and it means an offshoot or a descendant. This now takes us down to his son, Nahor, N-A-H-O-R, and his personal name means nostrils. Yes, I'm serious. Like snore, like snort, his name is nostrils. And here's something else. In Hebrew, it actually means snorting, but also hoarse, dry or hot, or hot. And one commentary said this, Nahor might be viewed as snoring through the patriarchal narratives. When they're talking about the patriarchs, they think he just kind of slept through it. So in a sense that Nahor does nothing after chapter 11 of Genesis that is reported in the text other than his siring of children. And one more interesting item. Nahor is the name of both the grandfather and a brother of Abraham in the Old Testament. And this Nahor is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. We then move to his son, whose name is Terah, T-E-R-A-H. I kind of laugh every time I see this because when my daughter was eight years old, Victoria came to us one time and just said that uh, she had a brand new friend at school named Tara. It was T-A-R-A. So we asked our daughter, Victoria, Tara who? And she said, you know, Mom, Dad, you know, like the Sherlock Holmes movie, Terror by Night? I don't don't think Lee and I ever laughed so hard when we heard that. And it was pretty funny for us at the time. But anyway, Tara's name actually means ibex or wild goat. So wild goat, like in Africa, is called an ibex, I-B-E-X. And now we come to Abram, and his name means father is exalted. It was later changed to Abraham, and that meaning changed it to father of a multitude. We find that name listed in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. And this is from the Amplified Bible. God said that no longer shall your name be Abram, exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude, for I will make you the father of many nations. Well, that's all that I've got for you for tonight, and we'll try to bring you some more on another program. But before we do, I wanted to share this with you, and I think you'll find this really interesting. This is a list that I have, and it's called the first ten names or the generations in Chapter 5. It means it's Adam, Enos, Mahalalal, Enoch, Lenach, Seth, Canaan, Jared, Methuselah, and Noah. But here's what's interesting. Adam's name actually means man. Enosh, his name means mortal. Mahalalal means blessed God. Enoch means teaching. Limic means despairing. Seth means appointed. Canaan means sorrow. And Jared, his name means shall come down. And Methuselah means his death brings. And Noah means rest. And when you take these ten names of the first ten generations of Adam, here's what you find out when you put the meaning of the names all together. 
Man is appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching, and his death brings the despairing rest. I'm going to read that to you one more time. Out of the first ten names of the generations in Genesis chapter 5, with each person's name and what they mean, when you put all of their names together and their meaning, it says that man's appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down teaching, and his death brings the despairing rest. Isn't that powerful, folks? So, remember... Learning how a name is given to you will speak volumes of your future and of your calling and for your children and your children's children. And we pray tonight that you were blessed and encouraged by the program and by what we brought to you tonight. And I just want to remind you that there may be bitterness and confusion and anxiety going on right now in this world. And the enemy is really trying to distract us from the Lord our God. He's doing everything to take our eyes off Jesus. And this is extremely important, that if we repent, yes, I said repent and turn back to the Lord, that he will heal our land and that he will heal us. So today, remember this, that God is still in control. And this is from God's promise, and this is from 2 Chronicles 7.14 in the Amplified Bible. And it reads that if my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Wow. So what just might be waiting for you down the road? So when you find yourself at the fork of a road or finding that you have some difficulty or challenge or decisions to make, remember to take time out to pray. Go to your prayer closet and pray in secret so that the Father can answer you in secret. And yes, pray. And as I've shared with some other people, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. And ask the Lord for his way for your life and to reveal the path that he has for you that you should take. And from Psalms 25, verses 4 and 5, Let me know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you and only you I wait expectantly all the day long. And I love what Dr. Miles Monroe shared about finding that path and asking the Lord for where what he wants you to do, where he would lead you. And here's a great reminder of one of God's promises. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that's shining brighter and brighter until the full day. That's in Proverbs 4.18. With that, I'm Brian Fouts. We're with Hazak Ministries and Encouragement Ministry out here in Columbus, Texas. And we want to remind you that uh, over the years that my wife and I, we wrote three books. Our first book is called From Misery to Ministry, A Walk of Faith. It talks about losing our daughter and how the Lord brought about restoration in our marriage and prepared us for ministry and how it was, this book was used to help so many people that lost a loved one, either to an illness or to a murder. Our second book is called Steps of Faith. 
This is a great book to help you to take your very own steps of faith and to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. And our the, the most recent book that we wrote is called Walking Through Grief, A Journey of Peace. This is a great resource uh, for a book for those that have lost someone or who know somebody that's lost someone. And the book is designed so that it will give you some really great resources to use and it will bring you hope and healing encouragement, not only for you, but for your family and for your friends as well. You can receive one of these books free by emailing us and requesting a book by just by going to hazakministries.com. That website address is H-A-Z-A-K, hazakministries.com. And thank you, and if you'd like for me to come and speak at your church, to your men's groups, or one of your special events, you can give me a call at 832-878-8043. That number again is 832-878-8043. And we hope that you've been blessed immensely by our message of hope and healing and encouragement. And some have asked us, they said, how can we, how can we pray for you? How can we help you? How can we help support you in your ministry? So if you'd like to send a love offering to us, you can send that to Azak Ministries at P.O. Box 159, Industry, Texas. Zip is 78944. Again, that's Hazak, H-A-Z-A-K, Ministries, P.O. Box 159, Industry, Texas, 78944. Or you can always go online to our website at www.hazakministries.com and just click on the Donate button, and there you can donate uh, money to us that will come directly in to be used for the ministry. Uh, we use this money uh, to help with our future programs, to help us with giving books away, to help us with our radio program, uh, and to help us with our traveling expenses. And one last thing is if you're if you're hurting tonight, if you're lost and if you're tired, and you just want a chance and a change in your life, and you just don't know what to do, you need Jesus. And here's how you can receive all of God's forgiveness and promises. And all you have to do is just repeat this little prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you right now, Father, and I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask you for your forgiveness. I repent of my sins, and I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. So, Father, I turn from my sins, and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. Father, I want to accept you as Lord and Savior. I want to trust and to follow you as my Lord and as my Savior. Amen and amen. And if you said that prayer tonight, folks, the angels are singing in heaven because there's one more person that has come in to the fold with Jesus. So remember, we serve an awesome, awesome God, and anything that you need, the Lord can provide for you. So until next time, I want you to be strong and be hazak. Blessings on Pastor Brian Fouts. I'll talk to you guys next month. Go and be with God. Be blessed. And be thankful and praise the Lord every day for everything that you have. We just ask this in his name. Amen, amen, and amen.